Welcome to the Fierce Authenticity Podcast, where we're having fiercely authentic conversations on life, love, leadership, and our personal and collective liberation. In a culture that benefits from our fear, suffering, and disconnection from source self and others, we're here to shift the narrative so that together we can create the world we want to live in. I'm your hostess, Sharani M. Pathak, and I'm excited for us to dive right in. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I am so excited for our guest because you have heard me speak about this person episode after episode as I have been sharing all of the wisdom that I have been getting from her. So without further ado, you know that kid that's always asking adults why at the most inconvenient times? Andrea Renee Johnson is the founder and director of Whole Self Liberation, a platform and organization dedicated to creating resources and programming to support people as they heal, grow, get free, and lead. As a trailblazer in the personal development industry, over the past five years, she has worked with hundreds of mission-driven people looking to use their gifts, skills, and resources to make an impact in the world. Andrea is the host of a podcast called A Call to Serve, author of a poetry chapbook titled Love Manifesting, a collection of poems and prompts for those seeking love and justice, and she's also a singer-songwriter, and that's what really keeps her going when the world is a bit too heavy to hold. And without any other delays, Andrea Renee, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Fierce Authenticity Podcast. I am so excited to have you here. I've been learning from you over the past several months, and I'm just really honored that you're here with us and our listeners today. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. Yes, me too. And um, I first came across your work when Kate Northrup said, here are some people that you can learn from. And your name was up there on the list along with Milagros Phillips, another teacher that I've really been learning from and sharing uh, my learnings um, with her about. And I started watching your Rise Up course when you were recording it live. I think I was only on a couple courses, but I just knew that what you were offering was incredibly powerful medicine, and I got so much out of it. But before we go there, I'd love to have you introduce yourself a little bit further to our audience. Tell us a little bit more about you and also about Whole Self Liberation. Yeah. So I haven't answered this question in a while. Just like, tell me a little bit about you. Where do I go? Um, there's a lot. I am, I contain multitudes. Um, <laughs> I, um, so yeah, my name's Andrea. <laughs> I currently live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I call Chicago home though, for real. I'm 26 years old. And I've had my business where in general, I've been just supporting people who want to make a difference in the world with what they have, their gifts, their, their skills, their privilege, whatever it is, supporting them to do that. And I've been doing that in different ways, whether it was coaching or through programs, group programs, courses, different spaces that I've held. And now um, I still do some of that, but I've also transitioned into even more of like a CEO or um, like director role with whole self liberation where um, I have a team of people and we're creating this, this space. It's a, it's online school for liberatory living where um, there's a bunch of courses from these brilliant teachers that I have somehow gathered into my life (laughs) to teach about all these different topics relating to, really connecting the dots actually between like these very personal or like what we might call not political (laughs) parts of our lives and really connecting the dots between those things like our skincare or our just our feelings and or our our romantic love and and all these things and connecting them out and using these little pieces of our lives to plant seeds for the world that we want to create recognizing that like what's happening in our 
individual lives isn't exempt from influencing or being influenced by the world around us and wanting to really use the power that we have to influence the world that we experience tomorrow. So that's what I'm up to right now, making that magic happen. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and it's a good time. Yeah, and I'm really excited for that. I know that when I first came across your work, it was like in the works and then there was a GoFundMe and I contributed to that and I was just so excited and you did this whole campaign. I have a whole episode dedicated to the world I want and I just thought that was such a powerful statement, you know, because one of the things that you talked about in that campaign was so often we talk about like dismantling what isn't working but we're not thinking about like, what do we want to put in its place? And so I thought that was a really powerful campaign for us to really think about what world do we want to live in? Yeah. And I love that you did a podcast episode. I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm going to. Yeah. It's a whole eight minutes of like, this is what I want. I could have gone on and on and on. And I had to cut myself off at some point. I love that though. Cause it's, I mean, it's just like what you said, like having that space to really think about not just what you want to get rid of or stop or like what's not working, but like, okay, well, what do you want to replace that with? Um, Like that's such essential work, which is why we did that. Yeah. It was beautiful. And now Andrea, I was going to ask you to talk a little bit about liberatory leadership because I've been listening to your podcast and that's something that you continue to speak about over and over is this uh, liberatory leadership. And then I just heard you say that the school is actually focused on liberatory living. So can you share a little bit with us about, first of all, liberatory living and then um, segue that into liberatory leadership? Oh, well, that could take, (laughs) we could, we could have the whole conversation and more just on that alone. When I think about liberatory living, I really think about living in a way where you're conscious of the world you're creating with your decisions and actions, not just for like what you're experiencing, but How are you influencing the world that other people are experiencing as well? And maybe people that you don't even know, people that are on the other side of the world (laughs) and recognizing that interconnectedness, but also recognizing like you have a very important part in the world we have today. Like we, we are small, absolutely. As, as individuals, (laughs) we can only do so much, but we can also do a lot like that, that so much is a lot. (laughs) And I don't think, I I think a lot of people don't see themselves in that way. They don't see themselves as powerful because maybe they're not in the, in, in a, a position of authority or like they're not in politics or whatever it is. But I like to talk about, instead of like talking about people in positions of power, which absolutely there's responsibility in that, (laughs) for those people but to talk about the power in your position and that each of us have power in whatever position we're in and we're using it already like it's not dormant power (laughs) some of it might be but we are using some form of power in order to live right now in order to listen to this podcast right now we've had to use some of our personal power and so looking at what is the power that I have, how am I using it? What do I want to do with it? What is, what's the impact of it? So there's that with liberatory living (laughs) and we could go so many different directions with that. But in terms of liberatory leadership, I think it's just taking that and being intentional with what is, what's, what's my vision? What am I creating for real in, in the world? And, and really looking at people that are wanting to create whether it's a project or a community or an organization or a business, an institution of some sort, going about doing that in a way that's in alignment with your vision, in alignment with your values, that's relational and takes care of you. Like it has all of those elements in it. Beautiful. And I, I love the element of the fact that 
we have power. Like we may not be in positions of quote unquote authority or power, but that each and every single one of us has power and we're living in that power every day. It's what's even fueling us. It's the energy behind even listening to this podcast right now. I think that's so beautiful. And in terms of that liberatory leadership, what's my vision? How am I creating it? Uh, What am I creating it? How am I living relationally? All that good stuff. I'm so excited to get into that. And one thing that you mentioned when you were talking about liberatory living, actually, you talked about how it's really about the choices that we make. And that's one of the things that I learned from your teachings in the Rise Up program was that every, like our culture, our society as it is right now is micro decisions that we have made. Can you share a little bit more with us about that? I can. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go Um, there, please. Yeah. I love talking about, because I I think many of us think when we think about culture, it feels like something that's outside of us, but that we're influenced by that we like learn from or grow up into or like, and that it's, it's like this, I don't know if amorphous is the right word, but it's like this energy outside of us. That's like intangible (laughs) and that's not how I understand culture. I understand culture to be about the the decisions and actions that a group of people are making consistently, that it becomes a, a way, it becomes a habit, a tradition, a ritual word makes sense. But if we're talking about toxic masculinity <laughs> culture, that's about the decisions and actions that a group of people, predominantly cis men, have consistently made. And it's different when we talk about toxic masculinity in America or Australia or India. <laughs> it's going to be different if we talk about it in relationship to race. Toxic masculinity for Black men is different from toxic masculinity for white men. So it's about... but we can identify it because it's about the group of people and what decisions and actions are they engaging in and thinking about it in that way, (laughs) instead of thinking about it as this like amorphous blob (laughs) that we're like, it's just swimming in puts the responsibility back on our plate, Mm -hmm. which is why it's easier to talk about it as like, it's just this thing out here that we can't touch, but it's there and we have to stop. We don't, actually have to engage with it head on in ourselves and with the other person in front of us because it's it's in the air versus it's in the decisions we're making so that's how I when I'm thinking about culture and if there's a culture that we're wanting to shift the shift is in our decisions and in our actions it's in how we're being who we're being what we're doing why (laughs) it's in all of that Yeah. And I love the way you describe that and how it ties back to our personal power that we just talked about. Because on the one hand, you know, we think that culture is like something that we're born into. We just inherited it. Like I was born into a brown body. And so it is what it is, you know. Um, And instead, actually, if I look at it as actually my culture is the decisions and choices and actions that I'm making and how I'm acting um, in accordance to my decisions, it brings it back to me. And I think that's really powerful because like you said, so many of us think it's easier if it's just this amorphous thing and we don't have power here. It just is what it is. And I think it busts through that illusion when we say, actually, you have a responsibility here and your responsibility is to look at what choices are you making? What actions are you doing? What your decisions are and how you're acting upon them. And yeah, I think that's just so powerful because it brings it back to me. Yeah. Well, and even just one, one more thing on that, where thinking using the toxic masculinity um, example, like we also like to to think that it's just the the cis men in, in whatever mm-hmm. culture, but it's also in how we relate to that cis man and what role are we playing in creating the conditions for that culture to exist? What are we doing? How am I relating to the cis men in my life? 
that upholds toxic masculinity. So it's not just about the people within that like are, are at the center of the culture, but it's about how we relate to it as well, how we relate to the people there as well. Yeah. And can you share a little bit more about that? Because in quote unquote normal culture or the regular world out there, you know, that person who engages in toxic, you know, behaviors that uh, are of the toxic masculinity spectrum, we want to shun them. We want to be like, oh, whatever. And I have a feeling that you're going to tell us something different (laughs) about how we relate with them. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take it to an even more (laughs) extreme place where like often and for pretty much my entire life, I've, I've struggled with this. But like when I think about prisons or I think about someone who has done harm or done something that is against our code of what is right and what is wrong or what is legal and what is not, which isn't always the same thing. <laughs> and when I think about someone who who has, let's say, physically hurt someone, there's so many factors <laughs> in that. There's, of course, the person who did the, the harm and the person who was hurt. And both of them are human. Both of them are valuable. And both of them might have some work to do to tend to the, the harm that has happened with each other or not, or alone in community, wherever. But we often, in, especially in U.S. culture, but I think it's also like a, a facet of white supremacy and just European <laughs> culture as well, where we, we see the one person who did the harm and we go, oh, we need to put that one person away in a cage <laughs> and they will be surrounded by other one person people that did harm or did something that we don't like and put them away and they'll just hang out there until we say so. <laughs> and that that absolves us of our own responsibility. The, the question is hardly ever asked, how did this person get here? Who influenced, who supported, who didn't support, what systems failed this person or hurt this person, what factors went into the decisions that this person made. Absolutely, they are responsible for the hurt that they did. And we are too. (laughs) We we are responsible to any harm that happens in this world because we have contributed to creating the conditions for it to happen. So if my friend gets hurt or... If one of my friends is depressed, I'm not responsible for their depression, but I am responsible for my contribution to their life. Mm. And, and I get to decide what I want to do with that. That doesn't mean that like I am in charge of how they feel. <laughs> um, that's totally up to them, but I do have influence. And so I get to look at what am I doing to create conditions that are evidence of my love for this person, my care for this person? Mm. That's mine. That's all mine. Even if they didn't ask for it, I'm responsible for what I do um, and, and what I'm creating. So yeah, we could go down so many tangents with that one, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, and I love it. And I love that very real example. Also, I mean, there was several very real examples there, right? First with incarceration and locking people up. And I'm actually just coming off of the Joy and Justice Empowered Learning Summit. And it is my dear friend, Robin Morning, who's an anti-oppression consultant, and her co-founder, Seishan, I can't recall her last name right now, Hawkins, I think, they co-founded Joy and Justice, and they did this week-long, this was their second annual one, and the whole conversation this year was around abolitionist practices. And so they had guests, Akila S. Richards, Thea Monier, like these are some of the people that came on. And what I'm hearing you say is very much what I heard in the summit, which is we need to look at 
how we as a society created the conditions in which this behavior occurred. Instead of simply just saying, you're a bad person and we're going to lock you up. It's to say, oh, this thing happened. How did we as a society contribute to this thing? Like, where did we go wrong? Um, And that's something that Milagros right now is also teaching and sharing about. And I'm learning from her right now as well is just we externalize it. We say they're the problem and we don't look at how our actions, our decisions, our choices, our systems have failed that person. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of that. I used to hate this when I was little, but where like a teacher would be like, when you point at a person, you have three <laughs> other fingers pointing at you. <laughs> yes. And it's like, yeah, when, when we go, no, you're the bad one. Like, what are we doing there? What are we passing off mm. um, onto this other person? What are we avoiding in ourselves by putting this person away, cutting them off? And I'm all for boundaries. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we have a lot of opportunities to look at how do we relate to people that have done something that we don't like, that has done harm, how do we engage with that person and how do we engage with ourselves when we do something that we don't like or that has done harm? That's a really powerful question. Not just how do I engage with the other person when they've done harm, but how do I engage with myself when I've done a harm? Andrea, you're asking us to do something that a lot of people don't want to do, which is look at themselves. And I am all about that. Like, I love, I didn't at one time, I did not love looking at my part in situations. Everything was external. It was all out there. And as a result of walking my own spiritual path, I have really come to learn how much power there is in me looking at where I have done harm and me like really reclaiming what is mine in interactions where I have contributed to harm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there's freedom too. Yeah. There's freedom. It may not feel good at first or for a while. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think freedom has to feel good. But I think we do associate like I want to like feeling free means feeling joy. But I have been, especially this past like year, getting acquainted with the freedom of taking responsibility. Yeah. And that feels kind of like an oxymoron <laughs> to like energetically when I'm saying it, <laughs> because for so long, I felt like responsibility meant like I was bound. Ooh. Like it felt heavy. It felt like I have no wiggle room to like be fully me. And that's not the case because when we're in that space of like, I, I don't want to look at myself. I don't want to look at this thing because it's hard and, and everything. We are in an energy of resistance to ourselves because it's, it's stuff that's here <laughs> in ourselves, in our hearts, in our, in our bodies and we're going, no, I don't want to look at that. And I'm saying it's it's in ourselves. We might think, oh, no, it's this person out here. It's this person. I don't like them or they're doing this and it's making me feel. But it's still in you. It's in how you are reacting to and influenced by whatever is outside of you. But it's here inside of you. And so when we're like, I don't want to do, <laughs> I don't want to look at that. And we're avoiding it. We're avoiding ourselves and it may even go to the level, which certainly has in terms of a practice for me, it might go to a level of abandoning yourself and completely vacating the premises, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which I am a pro at (laughs) Um, to avoid quote unquote responsibility. But when you actually go head on and go, okay, this is mine. These are my feels. This is what's in front of me. This is what's on my plate and engage with it may not feel good. But when you 
engage with it versus avoiding it and you make that a constant Mm -hmm. practice (laughs) there is so much freedom in it because you know that you can tackle it you know you can be with it and you're building up that resilience to be with it to be with the hard and uncomfortable challenging things yeah and when I hear that it makes me think of every time I have taken personal responsibility for when I have caused a harm um every time that I have taken ownership of what is mine I've grown in my self-esteem and my self-confidence like it's really strengthened my sense of self when I've done that, I'm in a 12-step program, that's the spiritual path that I walk. And they have a phrase that says, in order to develop self-esteem, you have to do esteemable acts. And it took me the longest time to figure that out. And then the more I practiced really taking ownership and personal responsibility of what's mine, all of a sudden, my esteem grew. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't like one down anymore. And you weren't better than me and I wasn't less than you and I wasn't better than you and you weren't less than me. Like it brought me more even with my brothers and sisters in humanity. Yeah. And something else that you said, you know, that there's freedom in responsibility. And you're right. It could be perceived as kind of this oxymoron where like... Yeah, a lot of times we think of responsibility and we do think like, oh, that's heavy. Oh, it's a burden. It's too much to bear. And yet there is so much freedom when we take responsibility for what's ours. I think it's a a quote by Mark Twain, and I'm going to totally butcher it. And it's something along the lines of like, if you tell the truth, like you never have to remember a story or something like that. And that's what happens for me every time I take accountability for what's mine. You know, it it frees me. It clears my side of the street. It clears my spirit. What someone else decides to do is totally up to them, whether they are open to accepting it or not accepting it. Like, that's on them. Mm-hmm. And I have to be totally detached from whatever it is that they choose to do with my ownership And it's really funny because I'm recalling that there was a time where I realized not everyone is ready to have their personal power returned to them. Oh, yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In fact, we'll fight you. Yes. And then you're the bad guy. Yeah. And I'm remembering very clearly there was a situation that occurred and I really was like having a conversation with this person and it like literally was giving them back their power. Like, how do you want to show up in the world? And I became the black sheep in the whole situation. And it took me forever because I would take it so personal, that interaction. I'm like, what was it about that? And it was like, oh, that person wasn't ready to have their power handed back to them. Mm-hmm. Do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> have a lot of experience. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think my only my only thoughts around it is I have. Um, I don't know if you've talked about human design at all. I know we we've only just uh, we were just talking about it the other day. But one of the things in human design, which is the system of kind of understanding how your energy works, basically. It it brings together a lot of different theories and ways of understanding humans, but learning one of, like my type is I'm a projector, which means a lot of different things. It doesn't mean in in like the psychological term where you're like (laughs) projecting. I mean, you're not going to put your garbage on me and say it's my fault. (laughs) (laughs) No, it literally means like I am projecting energy out I absorb people's energy and it moves through me. Anywho, <laughs> I realized because one of the, the things that has been really supportive, just learning more about that system of, of thinking is this idea that like my strategy for success is to wait for the invitation, which means essentially like because I am so porous and just like take in so much energy from other people, I can read them really well, mm. especially if they don't want to be read, (laughs) (laughs) like I can feel into like when there's something going on for someone or they're like moving through something. And I learned a long, I learned when I was like a child (laughs) that pointing those things out 
was not a good idea, <laughs> especially when I haven't, nobody's asked for it. And so I've had to get into a way of being around it where it's like, if I recognize that someone's not interested in being held as sovereign or powerful, mm-hmm. they might say that they are, but their actions <laughs> and decisions show differently. That's a clear no. So what am I up to trying to get around that no and trying to convince them otherwise when they have a no? And that's okay. (laughs) That's fine. It might suck for them, (laughs) (laughs) but that's, it's, it's theirs. That's their suckage to deal with. (laughs) (laughs) And it might not suck. They might be enjoying themselves, Mm -hmm. Um, but Right. Because who's to say it sucks? I might think it sucks. You might think it sucks, but they might think it's absolutely fine and dandy for them. And the reality is none of it is my business. And so with that, and I think like bringing this out even more, where I know a lot of people who want to make a difference in the world and are like really on this this train of anti-racism or anti-oppression, like want to convince the people in their lives to see things differently or understand like this thing or that they realize that they're perpetuating this thing over here and and there is a way that we go about it that does the very thing that we're asking them to see whether it's like Mm. we're wanting to like uproot any form of dehumanization in the world and you're going hey i see something better than you do and you're wrong for the way that you see things. So I'm going to berate you for having your own way of thinking and being because I want you to be different and I won't be okay until you are. Oh, you just took us deep. (laughs) It's contemptuous in the sense that it's it's assuming that you know better than the other person, Mm -mm. that you see and understand them better than they do that you have the right answers and they don't. And so you need to teach them or show them the way. Mm. You're making yourself superior to them. And that is the very thing (laughs) that so many of us are fighting against. Supremacy, contempt, dehumanization, disregard of people's experiences and wants and needs. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the podcast. If you're enjoying what you're hearing and you'd like to contribute to the sustainability and accessibility of the podcast, then please find your way over to the show notes where you'll find several different ways that you can contribute and support the podcast and also an invitation on how you can join the Fierce Authenticity community. So I wanted to bring that in there too and like widen it where it's like when somebody is doing something that we don't like, (laughs) how are we engaging with them? (laughs) And what tools are we using to try to get them to be different? Yeah, I love that. And you're taking us right into another part of the conversation that I'd love to have with you. And first, gosh, just thank you for the way you described it you just answered a personal turmoil that I've been in where I have a friend who I'm not in agreement with some of the choices that she wants to make with her business because I think that she has a lot more learning and unlearning and deconstructing to do before she can support the people that she wants to support. And as a brown person, I'm like, oh, you are not ready and I want to I want to tell her that she's not ready. Yeah. And I was messaging with some friends back and forth. And another friend of mine said, check your motive. What is your intention? Are you trying to school her or shame her? And I was like, ooh, ouch. Yeah, there might be some of that. Mm-hmm. And so hearing your response right now, it really just answered that question for me, which my mind is ping-ponging in a bazillion different directions because That was exactly what I ended up doing with my email community when I was 
launching my most recent program, the Fierce Authenticity Liberation Experience. And that's what led me to purchase the Rise Up program and actually purchase it. So I have access to it um, on demand and can revisit it at any time. And I had shared with you on our somehow private call that I was talking about liberating ourselves, and yet I was using all of the oppressive practices that a lot of online marketers use. Fear, shame, there's this thing, I know that you need this thing, and I know better than you, and I was, when it hit me, I was just appalled. I have a whole podcast dedicated to it, it's called Failure to Launch, (laughs) is the episode dedicated to debriefing that, and it was just It's so insidious, the ways that we participate in these behaviors without recognizing it, even when we're on the path towards deconstruction and decolonization and unlearning and learning something new, yet we can still operate from that place. And so that's kind of where I want to shift our conversation into, which is you mentioned sovereignty and you mentioned how a lot of people are trying to do like anti-oppressive things right now and yet what tools are they using and stuff like that. So let's talk a little bit more about personal sovereignty and how oppression continues to show up Mm. in our relationships, in our world, with ourselves, whatever you want, Andrea, go. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm sovereign you're sovereign. Every human being is a sovereign being. We all have different abilities, different identities, different ways of being, different responsibilities, but we're sovereign in that like we reign over our being, period. Even even in a space where people's sovereignty is being attacked, they still remain sovereign. Even when someone thinks that, and the same thing with power, like you have power, even if a system or a group of people within a system are trying to take away your power, you will still have the power. You still have power, period. And so when I think about sovereignty, and I think especially around making a difference in the world, I think a lot of people get stuck because we go, let's honor indigenous sovereignty or let's honor the humanity of all people but we're willing to deny the sovereignty of another human being to try to gain back quote-unquote the sovereignty of another human being it don't make sense (laughs) (laughs) i mean i get it i get why we do that because that's what we know in terms of how how to get what we want that's those are the ways that we know but we got to do it differently we got to do it in ways that we we don't know yet maybe (laughs) Mm. and I think that's that's where we a lot of us get stuck because when I say that we're using the same tools of oppression to try to eradicate oppression in our relationships, our families, our schools, our work environments, online, everywhere, people go, okay, well, what else do we do? That's my question back. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I asked you that question. What else do I do? Well, and what did I say? (laughs) Like, Follow what what speaks Mm -hmm. to you. And it's connecting back to yourself connecting back to who are you Mm. who do you want to be in this life how do you want to show up what are you rooted in if you have connection to any spiritual or religious realms who did god make you to be who did Mm. your ancestors for you to be or be able to do like connecting with all of that and then connecting with your creativity Mm. There are a multitude of different decisions we can make other than coercing someone (laughs) into doing something different or manipulating someone or shaming someone into doing something Mm. different. There's so many other decisions we can make. And I'm not saying that those decisions are bad, but they're certainly not getting us what we want. 
Yes. Maybe for a moment. Yes, it's temporary. It's fleeting. We think that we are, but long term, it's not sustainable. Yeah. 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 And your response to me, in addition to what you shared right now, um, the other piece was, and remembering that no matter what I choose, I have responsibility. Mm-hmm. Thanks for bringing that back. That I have personal responsibility, no matter which tools I choose to use. And that's where the freedom is. Like, I think, and there's a part of me that goes, oh God, I still have responsibility no matter what I choose. <laughs> but there's also the freedom in it where it's like, okay, make a decision and to see what happens. Mm-hmm. You're responsible for the consequences of your decisions, but once you see those consequences, you can always make another one. You can also always make another decision, go out and make another mistake or have another success or like whatever, but you, you are always able to make another decision. You can always, you can't go back and change what you did, but you can go back and look and say, okay, well, I want to do this now and change the whole game up and you're responsible still but you're responsible still. <laughs> you you get to switch things up if it's mm. not working for you. Mm. If it's not in alignment with who you want to be or what you're wanting to create. And I love that, that you get to. Bringing it back to freedom, decision, and choice. Yeah. And you said something a few moments ago that I would love to dive a little bit deeper into because it's something that I continue to struggle. It's like in my brain, it continues to misfire. Like I just don't understand how this works together yet, which is when you said that we can be sovereign and we can be free even when there are systems in place that, you know, you said it way more eloquently, but um, yeah, you, that part of the conversation, you know what I'm talking about? So like, I have struggled and I continue to struggle with how to reconcile that. Like, how are we free while still being in systems where um, it is so oppressive and it, there is an appearance that we don't have our freedoms? There's different levels <laughs> where no matter what situation, culture, system I reside within at any given moment who I am does not change. Hmm. Who I am is not dictated by what's going on around me. So with that, if the systems in place do not reflect our innate sovereignty, our innate wholeness, humanity, responsibility, power, like all of these things, if the systems don't reflect that, that is absolutely an infringement on my power, my freedom, Mm. my, my sovereignty. And that is, is something that I will have to navigate for sure. But I remain sovereign. I remain free. The system in place that's not reflecting that right now. (laughs) And that is absolutely maybe attacking or victimizing dehumanizing me or other people but who I am remains and I think I could absolutely be influenced to believe that I am not free Mm. or to believe that I am not sovereign especially if I grew up in that culture which is the cultures we're living in now all over the world in the U.S. It's like it's there, there's little things that attack our personal freedom, our personal sovereignty and power and like our ability to say like, this is who I am and this is what I want. This is me from the point of being born. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there's different things in place to get at that because that serves the system in place right now. It, it serves the system in in place as, and when I say the system, I mean the people 
that are making things happen in our government. And like, I'm not talking about, cause we talk about system the same way we talk about culture as if it's this amorphous, like, mm-hmm. no, the system is not a building. It's not, <laughs> the, the system is not in the computer, like <laughs> in the sense of like, like our government exists within the people mm-hmm. that are in place running it. So with things as they are, it serves them to act as if the people don't have power. The average person doesn't have power. And so we might believe that because we grew up in that. It doesn't make it true. Even if you believe it, you still have power. (laughs) So I think that's one of those things where many of us get stuck is like, how could this system be infringing on my power and, I'm, and I still have power? Mm. I think that's just, that's a question to sit with. How is it? I think about like an image is coming to mind of Standing Rock. I visited and supported in whatever ways I could back in 2017. And I remember we showed up the morning after the police had hosed down a big group of protesters. And while this, their sovereignty was being attacked, the sovereignty of the land was being attacked, and it continues to be their humanity being attacked, might have felt like they were powerless, like from the outside looking in. But being there, that was not my experience. Mm. <laughs> like my experience was not that there was with within the people, the tribes present. It did not, I did not get a hint at a question of whether or not they were sovereign mm. or whether they had power or not. Mm. They had power, they were using it. They were sovereign and they were utilizing that. And I think about the, like I think about the people, even within internment camps or concentration camps across time, whether it's Holocaust or here in the United States, there were people that said, okay, look, this is where I'm at. And of course, grief and all of like fear, terror, all of that. And went, okay, what am I going to do? with this life of mine Mm. as it is. And so it's really, I think it's, it's hard to pull apart because we are either a hyper individualistic society or we try to like veer over into hyper collectivism. Mm. And it's both the people that upheld the system of the Holocaust responsible the person experiencing and at the brunt of the holocaust remains responsible for their own life and what they choose to do with it both exist Mm. and it doesn't take one person's responsibility or sovereignty or power off the table because another party is responsible as well and it goes back to the thing where we're talking about the prisons and, and everything where we think if we t- talk about our responsibility, that means that they aren't responsible anymore. And it's like, no, <laughs> we're all, all of us have our part. All of us have our power. All of us have our responsibility. What are we doing with it? How are we engaging with it? All of that was so powerful. And it's going to take me some digesting. I am going to you be just listening. Uh, yes. No, you just took us deep. Um, and thank you for, for going there and for sharing that beautiful image of when you were at Standing Rock. And that's actually one of the thoughts that I had as I kind of was listening and thinking of the question um, and trying to make sense of it. It's what thought came to me. And it actually is like totally demonstrated by the example that you shared of when you were at Standing Rock was, you know, how in the face of violence, when protesters choose nonviolence, both with MLK, with Gandhi, even in the current BLM movement right now, as like, you know, 
as it's coming towards the people and the people are like, my freedom and my liberty is that I am not going to engage with you. Right. Because you're not a product of what another person is doing or what a group of people are doing. You're a product of what you decide to do. Yeah. Um, mm. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not, I mean, it's like your decisions are your decisions. If, if you're in that position and you, and you choose violence, okay. Mm-hmm. Is that getting you what you want mm. in terms of right now and in the long term? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I I don't know. But if it, it's not a value system of like, like you should do this over over that. It's what are the decisions you're making and what are the results of those decisions, the consequences, positive, mm-hmm. negative, neutral, whatever. And and what do you okay, what now? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And another thought that I'm having, like, there's two other images that kind of pop up for me, um, because I was going to take it even deeper and even further back and be like, well, what about in in times of enslavement, right? When when black bodied individuals were enslaved, like they didn't have the freedoms and the rights and the liberties. Um, And then I'm thinking of, well, they still had song. And they still had community, right? And I could be totally misspeaking here, but it also makes me think of my people that were taken from India to Fiji to work the sugarcane plantations as indentured laborers. They still had their song and they still had their religion that they practiced undercover because, you know, British rule, it wasn't allowed yeah, so that's what it makes me think of. Those are some other images that come up. And it's like they, like when I think about slavery, which I am like a descendant of people that were enslaved in America, there were people like Harriet Tubman mm-hmm. who used what she had and who she was to do what she did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then there were people that jumped ship when they were on their way to this land, there it's not one is better than the other. It's not like we should be like Harriet Tubman. <laughs> no, mm-hmm. <laughs> that the, the people that jump ship, jump ship, mm-hmm. <laughs> like period. And, and it was a decision that they made about their life and how they wanted to live it. And beautiful, go mm. or free other people or something else in between or beyond. Mm. But it's about like, what, what life do you want to live? Who do you want to be? And do that if that's what you, if, if that's what you want. Beautiful. And I got goosebumps when you acknowledge the people who jump ship that like, oh yeah, that was a choice. Beautiful. And Andrea, this is such a deep and rich conversation. And I feel like we could stay in this space and keep jamming on. And we are also at the hour mark. Can you believe that? Like how how an hour has passed? I have no idea. <laughs> it's been so good though. So good, so rich, so deep. And Again, like I said, definitely an episode where I am going to need to rewind and re-listen several times to be able to like really fully absorb the medicine that you shared with us. And how are you feeling about this as a place for us to wrap up? I love it. And I just want to add, like, there may be some things that I said that don't resonate with you or like, or like picked on some things (laughs) inside of you or um, Mm. like made you uncomfortable and um, great. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Great. Like, please don't take what I Mm. have shared here as ultimate truth and try to fit yourself into it. Mm. And also don't completely 
reject it or, or you can do whatever you want. <laughs> but okay. I think my, my invitation is just to like be with whatever mm-hmm. came up for you in this conversation, because there might be some good stuff for you in that that has nothing to do with me or what mm-hmm. I said, but has to do with what you believe or, and, and what you want or who you are. And, and that's good stuff. Yes. So Yes. And I love that. And that's one of the pieces of my teachings that I'm all about is really like just paying attention to where things get sticky and icky in us and getting curious and exploring, like, what's that about? Um, Evaluating it almost like um, as though it was a specimen that you were examining and, you know, as a part of our soul excavation that we do when we're on this path of growing and healing and learning and evolving. And so I love that. Thank you for inviting me and listeners to just really connect with themselves, get into right relationship with themselves and their truth and to get curious and to not abandon themselves in the belief that you are superior and that you know better than they do. Bring it back around. (laughs) Full circle. Here we are. And gosh, this was just such a wonderful conversation. Andrea, thank you so much for being here with me and bringing your medicine to my listeners and sharing your wisdom with us. And before we go, please let our listeners know how they can connect with you and where they can go to learn more about the school. So to learn about the school, which is really like my my primary offering right now, um, Whole mm. Self Liberation, um, you go to wholeselfliberation.com um, and, and follow us on Instagram, uh, especially, which is Whole Self Liberation. Um, and then my website is andrearene.com and um, I'm most active on Instagram at J and on YouTube at Andrea Renee J. All right. Well, thank you again so much. And all of the links will be in the show notes, the podcast description, they'll all be there. And again, thank you so much, Andrea. It has been such a gift and a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the podcast. I want to give credit where credit is due and acknowledge all of the amazing humans who help make this podcast possible, starting with our main cover photography, which is by Jillian at Epoxy Studios. Cover design, transcripts, blog posts, and all of the pretty IG quote graphics you see are done by my assistant, Ana Olvina. Custom music and editing is done by my editor, Diego Velasquez. And though this isn't a human, I do want to acknowledge that all messages that you hear on the podcast are channeled through the divine wisdom that flows through me. If you're enjoying what you're hearing and you want to get in on ways to support the podcast and get in on community, there's many ways to do so. Starting with rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app. Share the podcast with everyone you know, including screenshotting it and sharing it on IG. And when you do that, please be sure to tag me at Sharani M. Pathak. If you have the financial means to do so, then please head on over to coffee.com slash Sharani, that's ko-fi.com slash Sharani, where you can make a one-time or monthly contribution starting at just $5. It takes upwards of $300 a month to support my podcast team. And by making a financial contribution, you're contributing to the podcast and you're supporting all of us and the labor that we are doing to make this podcast possible for you. And lastly, if you want in on the Fierce Authenticity email community where I share behind the scenes info, stories I don't share anywhere else, and opportunities to get first dibs on anything I'm offering, then head on over to www.fierceauthenticity.com slash newsletter to join the community. As a welcome gift, you'll receive an audio training I've recorded just for you on what fierce authenticity is and why it matters at this revolutionary time on our planet. Until we meet again, take really good care.